Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Tuesday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. I'm Luke. Wolf's not here. Josh Colmenter is in for Wolf. Josh, what's going on, man? Not too much, Luke. Good to be here. I feel like it's been a while since we've done a show. Yeah, it has been. I feel like it was fun, though, wasn't it? Yeah, we had a great time. Okay. It was summer. I've noticed, uh, yeah, summer and Christmas time when everyone wants to go on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's my call to the bullpen. Have you done the, like, the morning show? I have, yeah. So this is my, this isn't even advice because it's not, there's not really a moral to this, but I just remember filling in summer morning show. Okay, fine, whatever. Like, it's a little bit early, but it's, but if you do the morning show in the winter (laughs) and it's like, there's not another person in the country moving and it's just freezing outside and dark. Oh yeah. It's always weird working when it's dark outside. Yeah. I mean, obviously I've played, so you work at night, but it's under lights and everything. But when you're in the morning and there's nothing at doesn't seem like anyone should be awake until the sun comes up. When it feels like you're the first person in the entire state that's awake. Yeah, exactly. that's a strange feeling. Uh, all right, we got some basketball to talk about last night. It was kind of an odd game when you consider who didn't play. No LeBron, no Anthony Davis, no Russell Westbrook, no Devin Booker, no Cam Johnson, obviously. There were other guys. Uh, I had the list, but those are the five main ones from the game last night. Most of the headliners not playing. However... I will say this. The Suns win. They beat the Lakers by 26. LA's kind of trending back. You know, they're not, they're not as bad as they were at the start of the year, but that, that run that they were going on where ESPN was losing their minds because the Lakers had won two in a row. Well, that seems to be over. Um, Chris Paul had a monster game last night, and that might be the biggest development for the Phoenix Suns. Paul goes out there, puts in 28 points on nine of 18 shooting, eight assists. You know, it's it's the regular season, it's the middle of December, Josh, but seeing Chris Paul look a little bit like the Chris Paul we're used to for his entire career up until that Maverick series last year, that's pretty refreshing right now if you're a Suns fan. Yeah, it really is, especially a night that Booker's out and, you know, they have a lot of depth, so they don't really need someone to take over, but it's always good to know when, you know, someone's hurt or banged up that you have another guy that can go out and put up a performance like that and... um and they really needed it. They got off to a hot start and never looked back. And that's what you need to do, especially with those main guys out for the Lakers. There was that stretch. It was actually in the first quarter where they went on the 18-1 to run. Chris Paul was a big part of it. Chris Paul, after the game, was asked if he felt like he had to step up as a scorer on this team. I knew he was out without book. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I had a guy on my team just score 58 last game. Yeah, you think I'm going to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, you know, it's balance. You know, trying to figure out when to be aggressive, when to find other guys. But my natural instinct is to find under other guys because I know I can get a shot whenever. But uh, just trying to figure out that balance. Okay, so on that note, and nobody expects Chris Paul to change his game after, what, 15 years of being one of the best point guards, maybe the best ever. Um, so nobody expects him to suddenly be a shooter over a passer. But he did admit his team is telling him, hey, shoot the ball more, Chris. I guess it could be worse. <laughs> you know, they could tell you not to shoot it. <laughs> you know, so, no, nah, I, just, I just think that's, you know, people having confidence in me and uh, knowing what I'm capable of. It's actually a pretty good line. Nobody laughed. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> He's, Chris Paul makes the joke. It's a pretty funny joke. It's just silence. Sorry, Chris. Look, he had to shoot last night. No Devin Booker. This may be an issue. Not, not. 
having Devin Booker, but just needing somebody else to step up and score in the playoffs. And Chris Paul, we knew he could do it. But, yeah, after the way last season ended and after the time he has missed this year, it's just good to see that he can still do it. Even at age 37. 36, he was amazing. 37, all of a sudden, we didn't know. No, absolutely. And I feel like just watching him and watching him over his career, that little shot from the free throw line kind of extended right there at the elbow. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen him miss it. (laughs) And if he needs to shoot it, he can shoot it. He can shoot the three. But, I mean, obviously, he's been always a distributor of the ball, but he can score. And it's funny that this far into his career, his own teammates are like, hey, you can shoot them more, yeah. more if you want. Money I know he always likes distributing, but I feel like uh, the shots that he gets to himself, he, he makes a lot of the time. Well, in that shot in particular, there are times, and I know New Orleans kind of closed out on it a little bit last year in the playoffs, and I guess Dallas ultimately did too, but um, I, I don't know what happened in the Dallas series. I'll never know. But like the year before in the playoff run, everybody knows where he's shooting from, and teams are just like, oh, how did he get back there? Uh, here's DeAndre Ayton on telling Chris Paul to shoot the ball more. Mike's been saying you guys have all been telling Chris to shoot the ball more. Be yeah, he shot that thing. <laughs> what does that do for you guys? With That's so, I mean, it's what he's been doing, you know, since he got here. Um, I don't think nothing's changed, to be honest. You know, um, I just feel like he's finally got into his rhythm a little bit. Probably found his run finally. And, you know, he's being Chris. He's doing what he do best. And, you know, um, he's loud. He's out there. He's playing defense. And, it's, you know, it's just fun to be a part of, you know, doing it with him. I don't, I don't know that I'm ready to see... And we didn't really see it, but I love if I can if I can live in a world where DeAndre Ayton is telling Chris Paul what to do. I'm not I'm not there yet. You know what I mean? We've had a couple of years of Chris Paul yelling at DeAndre Ayton on the floor, and everybody seems to be okay with it, so that's fine. But the day Da goes up to Chris Paul, is like, "Hey, shoot! I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little thrown off." Yeah, you don't expect that. It's always, and I think Monty said it best when he was like, "You never have to tell." You should never have to tell a Hall of, like probably a future Hall of Famer to hey shoot shoot more. Yeah, especially at this point in his career, but. Um, you know, there's probably going to be certain games where that's what the Suns are going to need. I mean, especially when you get down to playoffs, when you try to take away Booker. I mean, he can get points, or you try to take away Aiton, whichever way you want to go, and that's going to leave somebody open to hit some shots. Yeah, and it's, you know, you look at the other teams that are truly title contenders, like Boston and Golden State and Milwaukee, and I would I would say New Orleans is is on the fringe of that, too. They all have... It's a pretty clear second scoring option, right? If, if Jason Tatum, it's not even if Jason Tatum's not scoring, Jalen Brown scores. They need them both to score to win a title, right? So it's like if New Orleans got there, they need Zion and Brandon Ingram scoring. Obviously, Golden State with with Steph and Clay. Uh, you know, you, you saw it with Milwaukee, unfortunately, firsthand with Giannis and, and, and Middleton. So for the Suns, especially with Cam Johnson out, but even when he comes back. I don't know that we know who the clear-cut number two scorer is, whereas on a lot of the top teams, you have a clear-cut number two. Now, you could argue the Suns have like have like four number three scorers, so it might be okay. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing they've done last year and this year is depth, and even last night you see a lot of balanced scoring. I mean, Chris Paul had a great night, but um, a bunch of guys in double figures, and they've been able to do that well, and it just kind of seems if they take away one guy, the rest of the guys stand up. They don't necessarily needed a number two guy even though they have I think some guys that in certain situations could become the number two scorer if they had to it's just fun to see guys go out there and put up performances like that when uh, you know they still have it in them yeah it was every starter last night had at least 15 points for the Suns Uh, and of course Chris Paul on the floor DeAndre Ayton on the floor Patrick Beverly on the floor there was the moment that uh, what was it Beverly scored to cut the deficit to 24 
and then proceeded to tell everybody through hand motions that Chris Paul is small. Here's Chris Paul's reaction. Did you see when he's taunt on you in the third quarter after he scored on you? Nah. Uh, you did the too small. Oh, yeah. What do you guys were up? Yeah, you can't pay attention to stuff. That ain't new. <laughs> he ain't come up with it. <laughs> you know, but just play basketball, man. <laughs> Chris Paul, every time he gets asked about Patrick Beverly, just sounds tired. And I I don't, maybe I'm forgetting something, and if I am, feel free to let me know. I don't really remember a time when Chris Paul has engaged in the stuff with Pat Bev specifically after the game. You know what I mean? Even when he got shoved in the back, I don't really remember him talking about it. I remember other people talking about it, which is very clearly the strategy of, if I talk about this guy, he definitely won't go away. Exactly, and I, that's what he's out there. He's an instigator, just trying to create, like create havoc. Almost one of those guys that you know you watch him on the other team and you can't stand him. Mm-hmm. And then even yes. if he was on your team, you still might not stand. I don't know if he's the guy that you would be rooting for heavily if he was on your squad, but he just likes to get in the mix. And um, I mean, obviously the the last game with the the shove and everything, but it's one of those things that you just don't. Fuel that fire. Yeah, it's and I think you hit on it right there. People always are like, well, you'd love him if he was on your team. I don't know that I would with Patrick Beverly. There are other players, yeah, okay, I don't like this guy, but if he was on my team, I'm sure. Like If he had been on my team since day one, okay, yeah. Patrick Beverly, I think every time they won a game, I'd be like, I kind of feel dirty that we won with Patrick (laughs) Beverly out there. Uh, All right, we come back. If Steve Kimes' tenure is, in fact, over in Arizona, should the team promote from within or look outside? We'll get into that. It's Wolf and Luke. Josh Colmenter in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke. Josh Colmenter in for Wolf today. Everybody remembers Josh Colmenter. Got the Josh Colmenter bobblehead in here, right? Yeah, we discovered that, yeah. Did you know we had that in here? I think I did from watching the setup the last time I was in the okay. studio. See, this is where you and I are different. If if there was, if I were a professional athlete and I was doing a radio show and there were bobbleheads of me, every time I came in, there'd be like three more mysteriously. And like by the end of like the holiday season, people would be like, why do we have 74 Josh Coleman for bobbleheads? <laughs> the thing, I could probably do that. I still have a box of, there was a Star Wars issue one. That was the first one. I, I couldn't make a regular bobblehead. I got to be a, a Jedi one. <laughs> I think it's a higher honor. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so I still have a box of those. They're like, hey, do you want these for friends and family? So yeah. I, I could... Each time I should start just bringing one or just putting them <laughs> different places within, yeah, within the offices. Because yeah. if you do it in the studio, we're all going to know now. Yeah. But if you like put them out at the news desk, those people are going to be like, what? Yeah. what? What's going on? I should have brought one. Yeah, it could be like an elf on the shelf today. <laughs> that, where, where that, where's the new Star Wars bobblehead? The Colmenter on the counter. <laughs> uh, all right. So to football, it's, uh, you know, nothing is definitive, but you have Ian Rappaport saying, okay, the Cardinals are probably going to move on from Steve Kime. In fact, here's that audio. From Sunday. Meanwhile, tumultuous week for the Cardinals. General Manager Steve Kahn took a health-related leave of absence. There's some real doubt, I would say, that he is actually back with the Cardinals, which means they could end up needing a new general manager, which means, Rich, owner Michael Bidwell will face a decision at the end of the year. Does he bring back Coach Cliff Kingsbury, or does he clean house entirely after a lost season? There's also the story on CBS uh, over the weekend, late Sunday, early yesterday, that, uh, that, that the Cardinals are going to move on from Kime. Now, Rappaport brought up the Kingsbury angle to this, too, and we can get into that, but there's there's so many different problems with the Cardinals right now. Let's just focus on what they do uh, at GM 
Because, Josh, two names that have been brought up are two guys I think probably deserve a shot at the job in Adrian Wilson and Quentin Harris. But the issue is there's a school of thought, and I don't totally disagree with this, that the Cardinals just need to go outside of the organization because this year has been so bad and bring in somebody from outside of the organization that doesn't have any of the distorted perspective of this year that is giving you a totally clean perspective from wherever. Now, the problem with that is, is that really fair to Adrian Wilson? Is it really fair to Q? No, probably not. Those guys, and, and honestly, Adrian Wilson almost had the GM job with the Giants. He interviewed for it. He probably should be a GM somewhere. So it's like, this is kind of a yet another weird spot for the Cardinals. Yeah, it really is, especially him taking the leave of absence not long ago, and there are already speculations that they're going to move on, especially after they extended him and Cliff right after that playoff run Yeah, that wasn't even year. a week ago. A week ago, he was kind was still the GM, and there was no leave of absence. Yeah, and so everything's happened very quick. But you got two questions you can look at from the Cardinals' side. Are you okay losing one or both of those guys if you don't? promote them to GM because obviously they're probably going to be in hiring circles for whoever's coming up with GMs once the season's done. Yeah. Are you okay losing those guys? And if you bring someone in from the outside, a lot of times when that comes in, they're not tied to certain players because they didn't bring them in or sign them. So it's almost a great point. like a complete reset. And are you ready to already do a quick reset after the extensions giving Kyler the money? All right, now we're back to you know, rebuilding again around a quarterback now who's making such a significant portion of the cap. Yeah, there's there's a reason why you don't typically rebuild around a quarterback that's that's making what he's about to make. Technically, yesterday I think it's next year. I think it's still only only sixteen million, but I mean, or it, it continues to go up and sixteen percent next year. It go, it goes way up, uh, and in two years it's like through the roof. So you're right. You typically aren't rebuilding around that. You're rebuilding as you bring in a new quarterback. But that's a good point. If you go outside the organization, what does that do for this roster? I don't think you would see such a shakeup where you would bring in a new guy that wasn't on board with Kyler. I think you would obviously interview candidates and be like, hey, Kyler's our guy, so you got to get behind that. You can't trade Kyler, and I don't think they want to, but you also can't. He's hurt, and he's making way too much money, and he regressed this year. Uh, and that's not me saying I don't believe he can turn this around, but this was a bad year, and he's hurt, so it's not the time to trade him. Um, so... Yeah, you're right. I mean, what does that do for the coach? If you if you keep Adrian Wilson, let's just say you make Adrian Wilson the GM, does that make it more likely that Cliff is staying, or is is it sort of separate, or is it a just a clean? If you bring in somebody new, they're going to bring their guy in. I think you almost have to be on board with that if you do that. I think so too, especially depending on who you bring in. Because I mean, sports, especially the NFL, you see one guy hired, there's a trail of guys following. They kind of follow each other around from place to place and you know a lot of times coach and gm are together you want those guys on the same page and if you bring in a new gm i mean i'm sure he could make it work with cliff if he wanted to but a lot of times he'll have a guy already earmarked hey i want this guy coming in work with kyler hopefully next year the all the wide receivers and everything are healthy right out of the gate so they're not missing time you know the last two years missing time with Kyler either being hurt or Hopkins being hurt or suspended. Yeah, It's obviously been a different team when you can't have all your weapons on the field. You have the draft to go through now, get a couple more weapons. Uh, I mean, it's not like they're miles and miles away from this working, but it's just going to be a lot of moving parts in this offseason depending on what direction they go with the GM. Well, and it, it, 
you say they're not miles and miles away from this working, and that's that's true if you navigate it right. But right now, it feels like they are miles and miles yeah. away um, because they don't seem to be taking the, the shortest path, you know, to where they need to go. So, it, with the GM thing too, you know, you're going to have right now. You'd have the fifth pick in the draft. Uh, you're probably going to have a top five pick, and if you don't, it's going to be six or seven or whatever. And honestly, it might be three or two the way things are going. So, if you are going to move on from your GM. It's got to be like not today, but within days after the season ends. You you can't. It can't be like, well, we're not sure. We're, we we might keep Kime, uh, but we're also gonna, you know, we're gonna let uh, we're gonna let Adub make the pick. But then actually, we're gonna bring in somebody other. No, no. You, you, it, this is not the twenty eighth pick in the in the first round. This is probably a top five pick. So whoever makes that pick in late April better be the GM for a long time. Yeah, that's a really good point. You want them to have. Time to manage the roster, understand what they want to do, um, see everything that's going to happen in free agency, the guys that are going to be out there, who they might want to go after, and really put this plan together because um, you can't waste picks like this. Not very often do you get to pick like this, and not very often do you want to, but you've got to make sure that (laughs) this one... That's the second part's the really important part. But you you want to make sure this one counts, especially when um, you could just replace this roster and put some guys... Um, especially get some maybe offensive linemen or something, or if they want another weapon. I mean, with Kyler, you want as many weapons as you want. That's how you're going to win, I think, is an offensive mindset. And so you want to make sure that you give him as many options as you possibly can and protect him, because that's been the biggest thing the last couple years is just being able to keep him healthy and on the field, which is tough to do the way he plays the game. They they have to, along those lines, they have to pick a clear direction quickly. Like, I I would hope internally... This is where it's so up in the air. Who is Michael Bidwell even talking these decisions out with if there's not really an active GM and you don't know if your coach is going to be back? And this is, we always joke like, hey, it's the most important Cardinals offseason. It's a pretty important Cardinals offseason coming up. And especially because last year, the perception from fans, right or wrong, and as it turns out, it kind of seems like it was right was that they were almost apathetic, the team, to making any moves. It's just days would go by, free agency, ah, we're not going to add anybody, we don't need to add anybody, look how good we're going to be, and now they have four wins. So I don't, you, can't, you can't afford to just sit around this offseason and, and just quietly sit back and be like, oh, we're going to run the same team out there, because, yes, you had injuries, and yes, that's a real thing, and it probably did cost you a couple games, just being real here. But uh, but nobody's going to be on board with. Oh, we're just running the exact same thing back. Now it sounds like there's going to be you know some sort of change at least at GM. Maybe there would be a coach. I would assume roster wise as well. But uh, if you're going to do that, it can't be changes just for the sake of making changes. You've got to go in and be like, this is what we're doing. Like you said, free agency. This these are the the four positions or whatever we need. These specific players we're looking at, and we're going to get them. We're not just going to be halfway all in because it felt like last off season they were halfway all in. And if it works, then you know fans are okay. We, we, we didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. When it doesn't work and it hasn't, people get upset. Yeah, I think they have to be very proactive. It seemed like last year the off season was just. All right, when are they going to give Kyler his deal, and what is it going to be? It was just kind of a waiting game, you know. You know, usually they get it during uh, the preseason games and stuff. We'll just have it, yeah, squared away. You could have done it earlier. They kind of waited. That seemed to be like the biggest issue. It was like, oh, when is he going to get the deal? Because it seemed almost inevitable. But this year, it's like, okay, he's our guy already. We don't have to worry about the quarterback position. We got to worry about all the rest around him, <laughs> and then also navigating how you can put that together with your 
cap structure. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to need some, a lot of guys in a lot of places. And, I mean, this might be the year that them getting such high picks in the draft, they can maybe plug some of those holes draft wise and don't have to go crazy in free agency. Yeah, you would hope. I mean, if you're picking at the top of the first round, you're picking at the top of the second round, you're hoping that those guys are playing. by if The guy you take at the top of the first round better be playing in week one. It can't be this like, well, we're going to ease him in for three years. Exactly. You know? yep. <laughs> that, that doesn't work that way when you're paying your quarterback as, as much as you're about to be paying him. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back uh, another wild week around the National Football League, uh, and especially wild week, actually, this time around. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke, Josh Coleman in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Catch it in from the corner. Wolf and Luke. Brings the boom. And catching bodies on his way to the rack. Sons, game day with K-Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever. All right, Phoenix Suns riding a three-game winning streak after they beat the Lakers by 26 last night. Joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line is Kevin Ray of Bally Sports for a little game day with K-Ray because they're right back at it at home against Washington tonight. K-Ray, what's going on? Uh, yeah, you know, it's like the uh, the Beastie Boys song, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Let's go. <laughs> we were just talking about this during the uh, the break. You don't you don't see a ton of back-to-backs at home. And I'm wondering, when you look around the NBA and you see so many teams, so many players where it's just a given, if there's a back-to-back that they're not going to play the next night or they're, somebody's going to sit the first night, maybe this is the way to, uh, if you're the NBA and you're worried about these lopsided games, the best way to do it is just not have back-to-backs. Yeah, you know, look, it's it's a, it's a real challenge, guys, and it's not the first time we've addressed it, but, you know, I was talking with uh, some of the Lakers broadcasters last night, and, you know, they, they were on a back-to-back having played, actually, the Wizards uh, the, the night before and came in, and, you know, we, we didn't find out, and I happened to be sitting at the table with the guys when they got the notification from their staff that Russell Westbrook was not going to be playing. This was like 45 minutes before tip-off. Um, you know, those are the situations that really leave a lot of people uh, flustered, frustrated, um, you know, because they had new cl- had no clue, like, why, and I'm just using Russ as an example, so not to like, you know, make, make him the whipping boy, but yeah. it, it's one example of numerous times this season where, like, team broadcasters, uh, team personnel, like, oh, it's a foot? Really? Okay. <laughs> so the foot was okay on the flight over. The foot was okay walking from the hotel. Like, all these things. And quite frankly, you know, it's it's kind of alarm bells that many people have been sounding off. And Adam Silver addressed a little bit at the, uh, the preseason meetings. But I, they're going to have to do something um, because it's – you know, it's a disservice to the teams. It's certainly a disservice in many situations for the fans. I mean, you look last night, and I realize that, you know, where LeBron is at in terms of years played and his age and everything. But, um, you know, people are paying top dollar to see a certain product on the floor. And if it's a legitimate injury, uh, i.e. Devin Booker, groin, you, you get it. But when these mysterious, like, oh, 
you know, the Miami Heat last week sat what seemed like their entire, you know, first eight players. Um, and they got fined by the league. I think it was like $25,000. I mean, until you like other fines for players, until you start putting some teeth into it or until you start like really laying down the law, unfortunately, I think it's something that's uh, a trend that's, that's going to continue. And I, I just don't think when you have all the great talent in the league, some of the parity we talk about, I just don't think it's a, it's a good look. Yeah, Kevin, uh, we were talking on the outset about uh, Chris Paul's performance last night, and obviously Booker out, and we talked about how the Suns don't really have a true number two score, but they have such great depth. Do you think that's something that they really need to have even to be successful and to win is to have a, a true number two? Well, I, I think it's certainly something that um, that James Jones is, is eyeing um, because it, look, it, it, it is real. Um, and yeah, Chris can still have those games, but you have to be honest and realistic about, you know, what he can do on a consistent basis, i.e. playoffs in a seven game series. You know, can he give you four games, four consecutive games, let's say, of 25 points a night? Uh, you would look and, and say, at least recent history says, says probably not. Um, you know, DA is is kind of the you know maybe the the, the one D uh, one E score. So I do think it's it's a real thing uh, that the James Jones I'm sure is examining and and trying to determine uh, what the reality of of trying to add a piece like this. Yeah, you you've got some other really good dynamic players. Mikael Bridges has the ability, as we've seen now, uh, you know, to, to score double figures on any given night, but you know the, the the chance to see somebody other than Devin Booker go for thirty five is is probably uh, unrealistic. Talking to Kevin Ray of Bally Sports, it is game day with K Ray and uh, K. It wouldn't be a Suns game against a team involving Patrick Beverly without some shenanigans and hijinks from uh, from Pat Bev. It feels like he's on a different team every couple weeks now, so it's hard to keep track of him. But sure enough, he shows up and he's taunting Chris Paul while the Suns are up 70-46. to What would you think of that? Yeah, it's just, you know, it, it's comical because, look, I, I understand the edge that, that Pat Bev uh, needed and in some ways needs to, you know, to stay in the league. And, and every guy has kind of their thing that, you know, that gets them going. But, you know, he's been in the league long enough now. And to some degree, you know, is respected enough because of what he did to get in the league and stay in the league. You know, you, you, you just don't need all the additional nonsense. And EJ made the comment last night. It's like, you know, the, the old, it's like, dude, read the room. You're down by 23 points. Like, just take the bucket and get back on defense. But this idea that he's constantly got to be, you know, this, this, this showman and, and provide this theater, it, it, it's not, I mean, it's comedy. It's not theater. And I just think it takes away from some of the things that, that frankly, he does well. And, look, if, he, if he's on your team, you love his tenacity, his grit, you know, his edge. But, it, yeah, it's like, dude, you're not doing yourself or us any favors. So just, you know, close the pie hole, stop with the, you know, the, the, the theatrics and everything, and just, just go hoop. Uh, a 
uh, I'm sure Patrick Beverly has strengths. One of them is not reading the room, though. I'm going to go ahead and say that's probably not going to change. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we I, I think he has officially uh, revealed that inability to us. <laughs> uh, we've talked about Josh Okogie a lot with you this season. I know he didn't. He only had three points last night. He had the uh, he, he ended up leaving, didn't play a whole lot. But the, the 360 layup without running that's not typically something you see. And this guy has, has shown us so much now over the last three weeks. Uh, you know, it's like kind of the, the genie in the bottle where, you know, I, I don't know who rubbed it, but I'm glad they did. And I'm glad it's out now. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that he will be able to, to play tonight because of the, the numerous injuries that the Suns, you know, backcourt is, is dealing with. And, you know, it's been unfortunate that Dwayne Washington Jr. has been, you know, dinged up with the absence of, of campaign because these are situations where, you know, you can get consistent consecutive minutes in, you know, big games, important games, and, you know, continue to kind of build your, your resume uh, with this coaching staff. So we'll see if Dwayne will be cleared to play tonight. I know he's been, you know, actively working with shoot-arounds and, and at the end of practices, so I'm hopeful there. Haven't gotten any confirmation yet on Josh Okoge, but, you know, this guy has turned into a, a you know, a, a huge piece off the bench. And, you know, as you saw, Monty Williams turned to him uh, first the other night in that New Orleans game. And going back to, yes, books 58 were incredible but if Josh Kogi doesn't grab two of those offensive rebounds Suns don't win Suns don't win that game and, th- and that's the kind of stuff that, that makes a difference in playoff games okay real quick to the game tonight against Washington Kyle Kuzma is certainly somebody to watch he's averaging 21 points a game he was at the game last night he has in the past been linked to somebody the Suns might be interested in he has said that he's probably going to hit free agency this offseason rather than just re-sign with Washington uh, any any additional reasoning to keep an eye on Kyle Kuzma tonight do you think um, I think you just said them all, my man. <laughs> he, he, he is an intriguing player, uh, offers a skill set that is similar to a couple of other guys in the Western Conference that the Suns, you know, could potentially encounter. Um, and, you know, when when you look at the the current situation in Washington, you know, three weeks ago they were in the playoff conversation. Now they are in the midst of a free fall. And this kind of ties into, you know, why we've said, and I don't think people are surprised, you know, why James Jones has been so patiently sitting back on the sidelines. Because if he, if he tries to negotiate, navigate a deal a month ago, you're, you know, the, the, the number of teams who you want to or, you know, would talk to uh, aren't available. But now here we are a month later. I mean, you look at you look at Utah. You know, Utah was the talk of the league the first month of the season. Well, they've come back to earth. So all of a sudden, you've got a few other parties that you can involve in discussions, and that makes and creates a, a more um, positive uh, scenario for the Suns. Kevin Ray, great stuff as always, man. Thank you for the time. We'll talk to you again. All right, gents.
Have a good day. All right, that's Kevin Ray of Bally Sports right there with some game day with K-Ray and talking about a potential trade there at the very end. One of the obstacles involved in a potential trade, we may have a resolution to. we got Big Suns news when we come back. It's Wolf and Luke. Josh Colmenter in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, breaking news. All right, Aaron, what do you got? So according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, billionaire mortgage lender Matt Ishbia is finalizing a purchase of the Phoenix Suns. The deal expected to be completed in the near future. So a little bit about Matt Ishbia. He was he actually played for Michigan State basketball team for four years, going to three Final Fours and winning the national championship in 2000. He also spent a year coaching alongside Tom Izzo. So he's got basketball roots here. I'm looking at his Michigan State basketball picture from 2000. That's uh, that's, that's him. Uh, well, you know. I looked on Forbes during the break. Net worth of $5.1 billion. So I guess that's why I got outbid. Because my net worth wasn't quite there. Uh, I mean, it had to be one and two, I would assume. (laughs) I was waiting to hear back (laughs) with my 93 cent net worth. And they were like, we're going to go with the guy whose net worth is $5.1 billion. So look, there you go. It's um, But one thing, though. With his basketball roots, yeah, he will care about the basketball product. It's not like a billionaire is going to be coming in and not really caring about what's on the court and is just worried about making money. Yeah, no, that's a good point because when you say stuff like that, people are like, well, you know, they're just a, their investment. Obviously, they care. Now, some of these guys, and I'm not just saying in basketball, but some of these guys own the team as an investment, but their primary business is something else and they don't really care about sports. It's just, you were saying it during the break, Josh, these te- NBA teams don't go down in value. So if you can buy one, you're going to make money. Yeah, if you get the chance. I think a lot of guys are just looking for opportunities to buy these franchises, but very rarely do they come up for sale. You have something interesting like recently it seems like something's happened with ownership where it's almost been kind of a forced sale, and so you've had some more opportunities. But guys get these and hold on to them for as long as they can. But it's interesting that he's not terribly long removed from from playing basketball and yeah. having that as a background is kind of interesting to be an owner now. I, I think, you know, certainly Suns fans have wanted a lot of Suns fans have wanted Robert Sarver to sell the team for years and years and years. And so if you told them, okay, they're gonna he's gonna sell to a guy that has a, a pretty strong basketball history, that is really young for an owner, I, I think you know I think a lot of Suns fans are, are obviously going to be on board with this, and we'll certainly share more details with you as we get them. But you just heard uh, Aaron with the news from Woj that the Suns are um, finalizing a deal to be sold to Matt Ishbia. So there we go. That's interesting. You knew you yeah. figured this day was coming at some point. We'll get into the ramifications in a little bit, but I mean, there's been concern of can the Suns really make big trades when they don't have an owner because somebody's got to sign off on the moves. And it was like, is that deal going to get done in you know June or something? That wouldn't be that crazy for a, a sale of a very successful team to take a year. But if it's after the trade deadline, how much does that hurt the team this year? And I would assume that is not an issue anymore. Uh, Lots on this, certainly. We're talking a lot of Suns today anyway. But to the NFL, there is kind of a developing story in Philadelphia, Josh, where Jalen Hurts is hurt. And you don't know quite how bad it is yet. I'm using this as a barometer, and this does not make me a doctor, obviously. But two days ago, he was the overwhelming favorite in Vegas to win MVP. It wasn't even close. It was like you could bet on Jalen Hurts, but you won't win anything if he wins, basically. 
Now he's not even the favorite, and he's like plus 600 or something. He didn't have a bad game on Sunday. So what it is is clearly people thinking he's going to miss the next three games at least. Uh, if he's missing time, like if he misses this week against Dallas, who really cares? If he's going to miss like significant time, even if he just misses the three weeks and he's back in the playoffs, that alters the entire landscape of the NFL. Oh, 100%. I mean, if you look at the NFL, especially on the NFC side, the Eagles have been the runaway freight train, and Absolutely. everybody else is in the caboose. Uh, it's not someone nipping on their heels, but yeah, this completely changes anything. And, and this is an Eagles team that just a few years ago had a very similar situation happen. And obviously Nick Foles had that magical run to the Super Bowl. And now you got to call Nick again. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, I'm just saying uh, that they've had it before. I mean, it's obviously it's a different team, but they've had a star quarterback that was probably going to win the MVP that year, get hurt at the very end and still have some success. I think the rest of that roster um, is significant enough that if you can just get some okay quarterback play, and it looks like it's going to be Gardner Minshew, who's come in and he can be a serviceable backup and everything, but I think the talent around Hurts, he's obviously elevated that team to where they are now, but I still think that they can win games uh, even while Jalen recuperates. This is uh, Mina Kimes talking about the Hurts injury. I think there's a twofold aspect of this. There's what does it mean for the regular season, and then what does it mean for the playoffs? Unfortunately, um, because the Eagles have built up such a cushion with their lead, and you know they've gained some ground over the Vikings, of course they beat, uh, they really only need to win one game, and after the Cowboys have got the Giants in the States, and I do believe they can win one of those games with Gardner Minshew for litany of reasons, first and foremost being that offense is so stacked. However, let's say Jalen Hissitz comes back for the postseason. I think that's probably where this thing is headed, what I want to see is if the injury hampers him anyway, either as a runner or throwing that deep ball that has been such a revelation for the offense this year. Because, you know, that is, I think, where you start to worry about a team with Super Bowl aspirations if the quarterback is limited in any way. And I don't think we'll know that until he comes back. Yeah, look, she just said it right there. I mean, they have a pretty good lead in the division. They've lost one game all season. But I will say this. You want to be locked in as the top team. Like, you, you don't want to have to, to play in the first round of the playoffs. And they, they could absolutely still be caught by Minnesota, at least. Um, <laughs> boy, that would really... Minnesota, who has not looked impressive at all, and yet they're 11-3. and three. <laughs> They could still get the number one seed. I think you said it right there, though, Josh. It, it's not like Gardner Minshew is some guy they just went and found that it was tossing a football around at a, at a park in the middle of Philadelphia. Like, he's... He's a pretty decent backup quarterback. He basically just needs to win one of these last three games. Hurts hasn't been ruled out for the last three games by any means. But I'm just going, again, with the odds, like people betting that way. There seems It seems to be concerned that he's at least going to miss this week's game. And if you're if you're Philadelphia and you're 13-1 and, and everything's rolling, you don't want anything to change. This is potentially something changing. Even if he only misses a game or two, you're, you're messing with stuff now. Oh, absolutely. And you don't want him his first game back to be in the playoffs. Uh, you just want to secure at least like one of those wins, like they said, because now the new format, there's only one team that gets a bye. Before, they wouldn't have had any issue. All right, we're going to have the bye, no problem. So that gives them at least a month to come back. Yeah. And he can be, he can get reps. He can um, be a-okay. But now you just want to get one of these wins. Um, you know, Dallas, New Orleans, the Giants are their last three games. I don't want if you have to win one of those three. I, I think you're in a in a good spot to do that. And I just think the talent around Minshew, 
he's not going to have to be superhuman. It was, I mean, Hertz was playing superhuman. That's why I think why they were so good. But they, if he could just distribute the ball, they have playmakers everywhere that they have enough to get a win. And you just hope that if he does miss time, it's just a couple games yeah. because they are playing so well and he's having such a good season. They they do have a good enough team probably to beat Dallas, New Orleans, and or the Giants these final three weeks without Hurts. But you're not winning the Super Bowl without Jalen Hurts. And now that I'm looking at this, Josh, this falls into my my theory that I have not shared yet with you, but that everything will always break Tom Brady's way, okay? So the Buccaneers are 6-8. and eight. Follow me right now. The Buccaneers have two more wins than the Cardinals. They're going to win their division. They don't probably even have to win another game to win that division. That'll make them the four seed, okay? So they're going to play Dallas in the first round. Dallas is absolutely a candidate to melt down somehow in the first round. Then in the second round, they're going to get an injured Philadelphia Eagles team. That's the way this is looking. So just everybody just follow along with me as Tom Brady wins six games this year and then somehow wins the Super Bowl because it always... Brady and the Buccaneers shouldn't even be in, in playoff conversations right now with how bad that team is. And they're locked into a playoff spot. Oh, yeah. I think I just was listening to a debate. It's got to be... There have been teams that have got to the playoffs with a even record when it used to be 16 or yeah. a losing record. But this is by far, I think, the worst a division top to bottom I think has ever They're been. They're bad. It is so bad. <laughs> and it's like they, they try and stir up that panic of like, oh, can Brady bring them back? They've lost seven of eight. And it's like, yeah, but everybody else in the division has lost eight of eight. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, all right, when we come back, we'll get back into the uh, the game from last night. How much can the Suns take away from a win where a lot of players weren't playing? And also, got to get back into this developing ownership news. It sounds like the Phoenix Suns have a new owner or they're about to have a new owner. How much does that impact what we see on the court this season? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke. Josh Colmenter in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.